Welcome to another episode of Between Lewis and Lovecraft. Thank you so much for checking us out. This show is all about learning more about the authors that have inspired us and diving into the stories that they not only created but lived as well. So join us as we explore the worlds that live just out of reach. Fair warning, I am sick. And I was sick when we recorded this episode, so I apologize. Today's episode is about Miyamoto Musushi. I hope I got that name right. One of the greatest, if not the most well-known samurai ever to live. And why is he held in such high esteem? Could be his sword fighting career that spanned over 60 fights, which he won every single one of. And years of actual battles that he fought alongside his father with. Or that he became a painter, sculptor, and calligrapher. But most likely, it's the single little book he wrote at the end of his life called The Book of the Five Rings. A book so prolific and inspired that 400 years later, it's still being used to understand not only how to be a good samurai, but also how to live an intentional, purposeful, and mindful life. Join us as we dive into the life of an extraordinary man and the inspiration for me to want to become Tai Tai the Samurai. What's up, you guys? It's me, Gamer Boy Five Thousand, coming at you live. If you could just uh, make sure you send all of your requests to the stream, we would love that. I'm just joking. That's... It was so sad. I was about to do that, and then I held back. I was like, "No, that would be you so were lame." Do that? I was gonna okay, do wait, it. Okay, wait, hold on, stop. <laughs> we're gonna go back in time, and then you're gonna do. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Hannah Ray Lambert, coming at you live from the Canby Book Nook in Canby, Oregon. Oh, my gosh. You're so good at that. I'm never introing our show ever again. Hannah, why have you hid this from me? I just, you know, I like to hide my talents. <laughs> that was great. It's just too much for the world to handle. What's up with you guys? That's great. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So Now we're getting serious. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, welcome back to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I noticed I was listening to our show the other day. We did not introduce our show, where we're at. Those are the only two things. The show or where we're at in like the last like two or three episodes, I think. Well, thank goodness. I just solved that problem. <laughs> yeah. But we are in Canby at the Book Nook, our at favorite place Nook. in the world. Yeah. And we are recording the greatest podcast known to... Um, I was going to say mankind, but that's kind of <laughs> overstepping our boundaries a little bit. Maybe. Because I really like a couple of different shows. <laughs> Not more than ours. Just I'm trying to be honest. We'll just put ourselves in our own personal top 10. Yeah. How about that? Definitely. We're definitely in the my own top 10. We are my mom's favorite podcast. Are we? <laughs> we are. Was it your mom that goes around and says little Lovecraft? Or Grandpa Whipple? Grandpa Whipple, Whipple yeah. yes. Yeah. Grandpa Whipple. Which has been delightful at yeah. home. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we need we need some we need to figure out how to get Grandpa Whipple and Little Lovecraft out in the world some more. We need that to become a thing for real. The world needs it. I agree. Um, so yeah, you're listening to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. We're hanging out in the Canby Book Nook, and we're a little awkward because we've spent so much time away from doing this. Right. We were getting in the groove, weeks. and now we have to get back in that groove. Also. I'm very sick. I like how you sniffed real snottily right before saying that. Sick. Welcome to Sick Boys. Ew. <laughs> ASMR. Lambert out. <laughs> Lambert has left the chat. <laughs> but yeah, this is our first podcast of 2020, which yeah. is very exciting. Uh, the first podcast of the decade, the year. Oh, man. You just made it sound so much cooler. Right? Of the decade? It sounds like we've been doing this for so long when you say it that way. It's true. It does sound really important. <laughs> But it is super important. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hannah, how was your how was the end of last year for you? How was Christmas? Uh, Christmas was. Do you celebrate Christmas? I do celebrate Christmas, not in like a church way, in a eating lots of food and exchanging presents sort of way. And man, I ate a lot of food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just what uncomfortable. Kind? Like, are, like, are you? Do you guys have? set traditions on food or do you just yes so we always host christmas eve at my parents house and my mom always makes prime rib and then just various sides 
And my grandma and I, before Christmas, always make a bunch of sugar cookies. We made four batches. I am still eating them today. I'm really <laughs> sorry to too interrupt many cookies. you. I'm very interested in this food conversation, but I just tried to drink my tea and I'm so terrified of that you're gonna drinking this tea because I burned myself already. Anyway, so if you hear me like very slowly sipping at my tea, it's because I'm terrified. You could sip your tea like a little bit farther away from the microphone. <laughs> no, like I this. have to do it. <laughs> you immediately. don't have to. Just hold on. I'm going to get a little bit on the. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so prime rib cookies. You guys are fudge. hosting fudge. You just she just makes straight fudge. Yes, that's it's great. really good. Oh my god! My grandma makes peanut butter balls. You guys Ooh. do peanut butter balls? No. It's like it's like sweetened peanut butter, um, with covered in chocolate. I know a lot of people have them out there. I'm not saying that we've invented them. I'm just saying they that my like grandma Reese's perfected cups, them. Is what I'm saying. Balls. Yes, that's exactly Reese's balls. <laughs> <laughs> market that yes also i want uh, everyone to know that megan the owner of the book nook just added cold water to tyler's tea because he's being oh a my huge goodness it's baby. so much better <laughs> thank you megan oh i'm not joking i was being it, megan's not lying i was being such a baby before we started recording i was like <laughs> I don't he's feel good. He's sick, and then he burned his mouth you on ever, his tea. You ever see the commercial where the guy's really sick, and he's like, I can't reach the remote. <laughs> That's me. I cry so much when I'm <laughs> sick. I watch, like, American Choppers, the one where they build motorcycles. Oh my the last time I was sick, I watched, I binge-watched the whole series, and in one episode, the dude's dog dies, and I was, I called Rebecca crying I'm like Look the guy with the mustache his dog died she's like tyler go to sleep <laughs> i don't mean this as a negative thing but i'm so glad i'm not your wife she is a saint she is a saint yeah she is she's at home right now making me soup so that when we get done with this i can just go home and uh Eat some soup and cry while I watch Mustachio and Ben lose their dogs and build motorcycles. <laughs> wow, this is a tangent. Anyway, you were you were talking about the great food that you eat. Did you get anything good for Christmas? Um, yeah, actually, I'm I'm really sad that people can't see this, but my secret Santa at work Ooh. gave me a bag with our Between Lewis and Lovecraft podcast logo on it. That's really which cool. I thought was very someone at very work knew you well enough to know that you would yes. want, they went online and found our logo and got it printed somewhere yes all in the span of like six days because that's how long we had that's plagiarism so, i want money right? for that i mean <laughs> for the free I gift did. that i got that <laughs> I, had I to be under 15 dollars <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i i wish i knew who my secret santa was because obviously they know me very well yeah that's super awesome yeah. really cool what'd you get well i got this super <laughs> cool thing from someone that i mean just randomly popped by my uh studio it also happens to have our logo on it, and I'm currently drinking tea right on out of it, crying like a baby because <laughs> it's just so beautiful. It is, uh, and Megan has one too, right? Yeah, and Paul. Paul got one? You got, so Hannah, uh, you got us all of these uh, thermos, I was about to call it a thermostat, a thermos uh, with our, with the, between Lewis and Logan, oh my goodness, this going to be a long <laughs> episode, between Lewis and Lovecraft logo like it's like chiseled into it it's um sandblasted or whatever sandblasted yeah. that's yeah. so much cooler i i've been <laughs> saying chiseled nice. for a while but no it's super cool and like and i immediately the the marketing podcaster indie go-getter in me is like how can we sell this and you immediately was like no don't we can't do that right now we'll circle back on <laughs> yeah. that idea but yeah yeah, I'm glad so you liked it. You didn't have so, to choose my present, but yeah, no, it, I got a lot of cool stuff. Like my my wife got me a, a vinyl record player, which Ooh. I've been wanting for a while, and um, I found out immediately how many of my records Rebecca doesn't like <laughs> because I played all of them, and she's like, "Really? We're listening to this today?" It's like, "Yes, we're listening to Daft Punk on vinyl." Yes, we're listening to Led Zeppelin 
on actually that one's a really good one if she told me she didn't like that one i was gonna lose my mind <laughs> i'm glad she liked that one then yeah yeah it was good um so uh yeah finished out the new year uh today i woke up and i was very very sick uh <laughs> it's also the first day of my diet because yes i'm doing uh, new year's resolution dieting um but there's more to it than that uh, and it's going to go into what we're talking about today perfect uh and then uh my other big resolution is uh i'm gonna try not completely 100 percent, but i'm gonna try and stop cussing so much oh yeah we were talking about this one i think it's yeah. gonna be um an interesting yeah. <laughs> adventure yeah i like some of the uh non-swear swears you've been coming up with <laughs> yeah a bunch of friggin' stupid butthole stuff going on <laughs> uh no the big the big moment for me was during our last episode actually when i i said like asshole or something and i looked over and there's like an eight eight year old <laughs> in the store and i'm like huh I'm embarrassed right now. <laughs> I said oh, a very bad word very loudly. <laughs> and there's just an eight-year-old right next to me. He missed my eyes, like, bugging out of my sockets. Yeah, like, being stop. like, don't say the word, Tyler. Don't say it. There's a child. Uh, so, so that was a big moment for me, actually. You guys didn't probably hear it, but it was there, and I kind of... There was a moment where I was like, I think I need to chill out on these on these bad words. So that's my New Year's resolution. Coincidentally, mine is to swear a lot more. Yeah. So this will be fun. <laughs> I'll give you all. I'll just pause and like point at you. And when, I'll be like, yep, that's what you he's thinking. And you have to choose what the bad word is and you have to say it. Just a little Rolodex over here. Yeah. Like when I stub my toe, I'll be like, son of a. Nutcracker. <laughs> no. Yep. <laughs> <coughs> uh, okay let's talk about miyamoto i can't pronounce it. <laughs> not because i have to say it with the accent which is going to make me sound racist no it's not an accent it's just emotion it is emotion but and it makes it better when i'm sick because i got that gravelly voice you do you want to say his name no you do it okay miyamoto musashi musashi you got it right i the got first it right time, the first yeah. time okay thank god Miyamoto. We're going to call him Miyamoto because oh. that's a cool word. Awkwardly, I put Musashi everywhere <gasps> in the everywhere. outline, so this oh. is going to be difficult. You call him Musashi. <laughs> I call him Miyamoto. Miyamoto is way easier tomato, to say, Tomato, tomato. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of him before. He is, you know, one of the greatest samurai warriors of all time. Uh, definitely he Literally, is. if yeah. you type into Google best samurai person <laughs> it's him like he is the first result he yeah. is all of the results he's, it he's is, all the results he has a monopoly on that title i think so and i think it comes from a lot of what i'm gonna get into and why i like him so much um because there's you know there's samurai there's ronin um there's a lot of people who were fighters and um servants to their shogun and and um leaders and, and stuff um, but he, I think the reason why he's so insanely well accepted as like the greatest is because he was more than just a fighter. Um, so that's my little tip off to where we're going. And the reason we're talking about a samurai warrior in the first place on a book podcast is because, um, toward the end of his life, he wrote all of his, yeah, it was his like within, wisdom within the last three years. Right. Yeah. yeah it was, was like, like he wrote it and then he died basically pretty much. But yeah. He wrote, um, what's called the book of five rings. Yeah. And in it, he just poured all of his knowledge that he accumulated over the years into it and, uh, yeah. categorized it in five different chapters. Uh, he just wanted to share his, his wisdom. He had a dojo at one point, so he'd already been, yeah. teaching, been teaching for a while, but this was like his, his final, like, I'm getting older. I want to like put this out into the world before right. I'm gone. And I think it's uh, it's interesting because he even in the book talks about how disorienting reading it can be. Um, he's like, I think towards the end, he's like, he's like, look, I know I kind of jumped around on some places. I get it, but I wrote it as I was thinking about this. And again, I keep like I keep pushing things off of like. We'll talk about this in a minute. We'll talk about this in a minute. But that is very, very, I think, intentional with the way that he is as a person. And, and so I want to get into that in a, in a little bit. 
Perfect. <laughs> but first, yeah. let's start at the very beginning. Uh, so early life, he was born in the spring of 1584 in Mimasaka, Japan. So I guess he doesn't know what month he was born I in. I just want fair warning. We are not Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I'm going to destroy some Japanese words today. I am so sorry for It's not that I don't care. It's that I don't. I'm not. I'm bad just with hum, like regular English. American English. Yeah. And I destroy that. So please forgive me. That is totally fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so he was the son of a warrior um, who had become an expert in the fighting arts. Um, his father, Mooney, was especially adept in jujitsu, swordsmanship, and the use of the jitta, which I guess is an iron rod with fork-like protrusions. So fun father-son <laughs> bonding time. It's basically just a big stick with like, with, like a, with a little stick that kind of comes out. You actually knew what this was beforehand? Hannah. You're such a nerd. Come on. <laughs> they called me Ty Ty the Bible guy, but I was Ty Ty the Samurai the whole time. You've been waiting so long to say that, haven't you? No, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever called me Ty Ty the Samurai. Can we please have a t-shirt that has a picture of me? That says Tai Tai the Samurai. Like holding it. a sword like this dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be holding a cool sword. It says, and it's a big fat me that says Tai Tai the Samurai. Listeners, if e- even one of you would buy that, <laughs> just message Tyler. I Not will me, make just it. Tyler. I will make that. If you message our podcast, <laughs> what's our podcast email? Lewis and Lovecraft at gmail.com. I hope so. If you want it for real, I will make that. <laughs> nothing would make him happier but anyway back to that's like tangent number five yes so his dad wanted to teach his son everything he knew about fighting which you know typical father-son relationship but it got not so typical because Miyamoto despite being a fast learner was super stubborn he was always getting into fights with his dad he was kind of a dick to his dad you're swearing resolution (laughs) that wasn't a swear was that a swear swear word (laughs) <laughs> Amy, Amy's gonna. Amy's my police. Amy, Amy said swear. The, oh my goodness, this is gonna kill me. He was a little uh, rapscallion and <laughs> clashed with his dad. Turd. Uh, Can I say turd? Yes, he was a turd. He was a turd to his father sometimes. So he would talk back, criticize him, and this resulted in often violent fights. And eventually. His dad threw a knife at threw him. Threw a knife. I was so. I'm so happy you brought this up because <laughs> I was worried it was gonna be one of those Neil Gaiman situations where you just jump to where he's like 20. Um, no, but there were some biographies like online that kind of glossed over the part where his dad throws threw a, knife a knife at him and it embedded in the wall behind yep. him because his reflexes. He's all like Neo and he just moves out of the way and it embeds into the wall behind him. That's insane. And. He was seven years old. Yeah. This wasn't like throwing it at your like 16 year old or whatever. 30 year old me. My yeah. dad definitely could throw something at me and, and it, everyone would be like, yeah, we get it. But like a <laughs> seven year old. This is a seven year old. So after that point, his dad threw him out of the house and basically disowned him. Yeah. He threw his seven year old out yeah. of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily he had an uncle who took him in. And his uncle, I guess, was previously a warrior, but had long he, ago... He had ren- given up yeah. the warrior's way to become a Buddhist... Monk. Monk, yeah. Yes. And he was living a life of study and meditation, so he raised Miyamoto at his Buddhist temple, um, and he taught him how to like read and write, and as also um, how to develop his spirituality and meditate, yeah. which is super important to the formation of him as a warrior and a philosopher. Yeah, and artist and calligrapher and Literally writer. Yeah, yeah. But despite being in a Buddhist monk, uh, his real passion was fighting. So he kept going off into the woods and sparring with tree trunks. Yeah, he would just fight the trees. <laughs> the trees. Because, you know, they said something mean to him <laughs> right. in Japan. So he had a thing for all trees, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> they can't fight no, back. That's why he liked them. <laughs> there's a lot of people that, like, uh, I know... Uh, Muay Thai fighters, they they literally go out and kick and elbow tree trunks. Uh, I think it's a specific kind of tree trunk too, um, and they'll cut it down, like with their arms, with their arms and legs. What? Yeah, 
Um, obviously when you first start doing this, it hurts and it doesn't really work and you end up breaking a lot of your bones. But what happens is the more you do it, the more it calcifies those parts of your body because as the bone heals, it calcifies, right? And so it becomes harder and harder and harder to a point where you don't feel it and you can literally cut down trees with your legs and arms. I wish people could see the face I was making while you were describing that process because you, you. have you ever watched the movie, the accountant with Ben Affleck? No, no, there's a there's a part where so super small tangent. Uh, he's uh, autistic, but he's like he's really skilled in martial arts and stuff. And you see at one point um, he goes and in, into this room and he turns on this super loud like dubstep metal music. And then he takes out this wooden staff and he just starts beating the crap out of his leg and like and like grinding it with the staff and stuff and you're like what and if you don't know what he's doing you just think he's just insane but he is doing that process of continually breaking down the top layer of of bone so that it reheals harder and harder and harder Ew. so like there's 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 lots of people um that go out into the woods just to train and i think so that's something that he probably did like luckily he was doing this with a sword so it probably wasn't as painful for him but more painful for the trees he probably got a like a splinter yeah or maybe like a splinter a, <laughs> some bark flew off and hit him in the face he got like, like a um callus or something on his hands i'm sure yeah perfect so um after all of this practice he started his career as a fighter really early in life at age 13 when he killed a man in single <laughs> combat now is this is this the one where he, he didn't use a sword or did he use a sword in this one? Well, Tyler, in that first fight, he did not use a sword. He beat the other samurai with a wooden stick. Yeah. So that's horrifying. He ben, beat him to death. Ben no Suko. Is that what it's Suke, called? Suke. That's what. No, that's what uh, Miyamoto was called as a child. Yeah, but that's a that's a type of like that's a thing like uh, like a wooden sword is, a, I think. I don't know. Now you're just making allegations. <laughs> I'm just trying to sound more samurai than I really am. But <laughs> it's fine. We can move on. But yeah. So 13 kills his first person. Uh, that, I'm looking we at. Don't, we don't know that for sure. Okay. All we know is that he had his first duel at 13. He had his first duel when he killed somebody. <laughs> he who did knows, kill the guy. Who knows who he was killing before By smashing his that. face in with a stick at age 13. Yes. And he's your hero. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I'm he's, not. I, he's a lot of people. I will say it's pretty bad. Point at you, Hannah. It's pretty bad. Poop. <laughs> no. All right. We got to work on this. I can't swear either. There might be a child hiding in here somewhere. <laughs> they just hide. They come out when you, they, they only come out when you curse. Yeah. That's what I envision children is doing. Um. So yeah, Uh. his, second um combat was against another strong samurai um and he was victorious again this time was around 16 yeah and after that was when he went and like fought in actual wars right um oh man i i feel like he was not going out and doing war stuff um until after he was 21 oh mine says 16 maybe he maybe he was doing a little bit um i'm not gonna say no because i i really don't know i just know at age 21 he's he's at the capital and this is when his dueling career takes off um over over the next few years 60 duels yeah well in his like fighting career yeah in his dueling career over 60 duels and he won every single one not all of them were to the death so it's not like a it's not like always like obviously he won all of them because he was still alive like sometimes (laughs) they fight for honor sometimes it's you know certain rules and stuff um it wasn't always to the death but there was a certain sense of like look we're fighting for real and unless you yield before i can strike you dead i'm gonna kill you and again, I hate to keep pushing stuff off, but that's something that he talks about later that I want to talk about. We'll get there. I always have my <laughs> sermon at the end, so that's what this is alluding to. We're leading up to it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, after all of the, or uh, after the 60 individual sword fights, uh, his most famous was in 1612 against his arch rival, 
who was a swordsman whose skill was reported to be equal to his own. Yeah. So big, big deal. Because at that point, he, his whole theme was to only fight fights that you can win. Right. So going up against someone whose skill was reported to be the same as his yeah. is actually sort of a risk. It's a bit, yeah, it's a big deal that he's like, okay, I actually got to prove something to, yeah. to people now. And this one is like the stuff of legends. So. This is what's been put into every single anime, manga, movie, everything that's been based on his life. This this scene, this confrontation is in every single one of them. So their fight was set to uh, take place on a small island off the coast of Japan. Yep. While he was being rowed out to the dueling site, he made a wooden sword out of an oar. Right. When the two enemies finally met on the beach, he quickly dispatched the other samurai with a well-placed blow to the head using the Boom. wooden sword that he made from an oar. And this is, so yes, yes, it, this is amazing. I mean, he literally, he fought a dude who has an actual sword with a piece of wood and kills that guy. But this is not out of the norm for him. No. Majority of his fights in the 60 fight career that he had, majority of them he used a wooden sword because he knew that he could kill every single one of these people. And that's what I mean where it's like not every single fight is to the death. He's probably using a wooden sword because he's like, look, I'm way better than you. And if I don't use a wooden sword, you have literally no chance to walk away from this. Mm -hmm. So he's he's fighting with one hand behind his his back, basically, so that he can prove I am the greatest swordsman. And that's what the Edo period of Japan is all about. They're all about proving, look, I'm the best. Like, think about the Wild West in America. And, and the gunslingers of that time, they were all about proving I'm the best, I'm the best. The difference is the the gunslingers of the Wild West were doing it for themselves. They were doing it f- for fame and for fortune, fortune and all kinds of, you know, for them. Whereas majority of the time, um, a samurai was fighting to prove that they're the best and dueling for their province, for their shogun, for their family, all kinds of stuff. Um, but again, that's what makes um, Miyamoto different is that he is a, a ronin. He is a samurai with no master. He's doing it for himself. He's doing it to prove he's the best so that he can prove he's the best. Not so he can be like, look, the people from my village are the best fighters. It's not until later when he starts to teach fighting that he really starts to go my way of fighting is better than all the other ways of fighting up until that point he's just out there to be like i'm better than all y'all he's like reached peak individualism (laughs) yeah he answers to no one but after that epic fight uh he kind of felt that he had reached the peak of his abilities as a swordsman so he retired from the dueling life Um, And that's when he started to train some other students um, and he helped suppress a rebellion in 1637. So he was still like with his father, with his father. So they reconciled somehow. Mm, Yes and no. I mean, well, they were uh, they were able to stand each other, I guess. They were able to fight on the same side without his dad killing trying to kill him. But they were never, ever good. They were never like, oh, I'm sorry that I pissed you off, dad. And. Oh, I'm sorry I threw a knife at you, son. Like they were, it was more like, "Look, I'm here to prove that I'm the best, so I'll just I'll help you out." And his dad's like, "Yeah, well, I need help." So we got this rebellion to squash. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, so it was m- more. I think to me, when I read the story of Miyamoto, it is uh, a moment of uh, maturity. Because he is able to kind of, again, he is out to prove that he's the best. He's able to kind of um, just kind of get over his own pride, get over his own ego, and go back to his dad um, and help him. You know, the guy that kicked him out when he was seven and, and really do that. I think that he could do that because of what his uncle taught him because of the zen buddhism that he had accepted so i i I just i like that he that he goes back to help his dad well yeah and at that point he was like considerably older too so that was in the period when he was starting to reflect on his skills and um 
you know, he was more focused on teaching the next generation and stuff like that. So he was probably in a better mental state yeah. than when he was 16 and going off to kill other samurais. Or, For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, before we moved on, I did want to touch on one criticism that I read about in here. <coughs> Some Japanese historians say that uh, Miyamoto's true strength as a fighter should be doubted because he avoided fights with samurais who were better than him. But... The author of the biography that I read argued that since it was part of his strategy to only fight fights you can win, it just all makes sense that he wouldn't fight someone with superior strength. Sure. And and that's this is where it start. We I can't really push it off anymore. That's where you start to get into the mindfulness of what he brings as a philosopher. Mindfulness mm-hmm. like that is that is everything that he preaches um, it goes into the Book of the Five Rings. It goes into his art. It goes into his calligraphy. Everything that this dude does is about being mindful of what you're doing and what everybody else is doing. And so, of course, he's going to evaluate a samurai and he's going to go, Nah, I can't beat that guy. I'm not going to fight him. Because it's not about pride for him in that way, it's about proving where he stands. Not to prove to any, like, that he is better than those that he's not. I don't know how to describe it. So, it's about pride, sort of, because if you lose, your pride is wounded, obviously. Sure. So, he's got this huge ego, but not in a way that's going to make him do something dumb. Exactly. And pick a fight that he can't win. He doesn't, he doesn't have an ego that's so big that he can't understand the reality of the situation. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and you mentioned in that his his art, and I wanted to touch on that too because I'm a huge art geek. Um, but in his later years, at the same time when he was starting to like think about his skills as a swordsman and stuff, he also took up calligraphy and painting. Um, and some of his works are actually famous enough that when I was like looking up pictures of them, they were on iPhone cases and stuff. Yeah, man. Um, so he his style was primarily monochrome ink paintings yeah. um, with like really bold strokes. Uh, he's particularly particularly remembered for his paintings of birds yeah he has two that are like legit famous like the one that i saw that was on a phone case and lots of other like products was called shrike perched on a dead tree Mm -hmm. and then he also had um one that was pretty famous called wild geese among the reeds reeds. Yeah. yeah yeah um and the it's a specific style of art that's not um it's not flashy and bright Mm -hmm. it is i think you mentioned it it's monochromatic Mm -hmm. it is uh using different layers and different pressures of of a stroke to show you know the image that you want to show um i'm more impressed by his calligraphy really yeah and not because i'm not because i'm like oh calligraphy is so much better (laughs) i could not give a crap yeah all right we'll go with crap um but when i was reading about the um effects that his calligraphy had on people i was i was dumbfounded i couldn't believe how big of a deal it was but he has one piece where all he wrote was like battle strategy or prepare for battle or something and it's a piece of art I mean, it's considered a piece of art. Him writing the word battle strategy. Again, it's in Japanese, so it's not. It looks way cooler than Well, and that's not the exact translation. People who are super into him are probably going to listen to this and be like, no, that's not what it says. (laughs) Um, It says battle strategy, dang it. (laughs) But, um, But it's just two characters. That's it. But the way that he did it is it's almost like he he used both of his hands or two brushes at the very least, and he did both of them at the exact same time. And they're the the um brushes are like exact. They are um very intentional with everything that they do. And people now so this is what, uh four thousand years later four hundred years later. <laughs> 400 years later, they now look at this and try to recreate it as a test of their own calligraphy skills. Um, I thought calligraphy was just writing real nice. <laughs> I thought it was just like, oh, a big S and then a little cursive, you know, the rest of the... No, like, it's an art form. It's insane. And pe- the dude that was explaining how to do this, he's like... 
and I just saw it's just a an online article that I saw about calligraphy and stuff. Is I mean, getting into Miyamoto had me going all over the place because I'm so interested in everything that he did. But he, um, you, this guy was like, yeah, if you're gonna sit here and try and redo this the exact same way he did then you're gonna sit there for a few hours practicing and practicing and practicing and then you want to try you want to start with a pencil then you want to start with a pen then you want to start with a watercolor brush then you want to start with a blah 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 brush and then you want to and then when you finally feel comfortable with some of the movements then you can move into an actual black ink calligraphy brush and then you'll see how the way that he did all this leads his mind into like traps and then he has to get out of the traps to fix the issues that he had when he was swaying and even if you're in an air-conditioned room you'll still probably work up a sweat and you'll have to make sure that you're in shape because if you're not in shape your muscles will tense and you'll seize and you'll die or something like it starts getting <laughs> like like and then you'll find true salvation and I'm like what okay everything up until the the seizing and dying thing the everything was what this guy was saying like you will work a sweat up doing redoing two characters of calligraphy i like how he took something as nice and like calming and relaxing as calligraphy and then made it like a life or death struggle like thanks leave it to a samurai (laughs) to turn the chill art of calligraphy into a sweating 400 year old like discipline of death people literally say that because of him like that uh, um, the brush is the sword of the mind because of what he did because of how he's like yeah look how perfect I am with swords also I can do this with a brush too (laughs) why do fighters have to go on to ruin the actual like arts yeah (laughs) if I find out that an MMA fighter starts getting really good at eating donuts I'm gonna be pissed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the challenge is out there, universe. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, shall we go into the, the Book of Five Rings then? Let's do it. So he uh, finished the first draft of this in the spring of 1645. Um, it's basically the work that made him immortal throughout the ages. Yeah. Um, the book had taken him five seasons to complete. Uh, each one was on like a long scroll, and he named them the scrolls of earth, fire, water, wind, and heaven although the last one like the translation is kind of was yours heaven mine's the void mine said void but also it'd be more <sighs> accurate to call it infinity because he was very positive in that and mm. yeah so the void kind of has a negative connotation in yeah. the english language so the the translator of this book was like he wouldn't have wanted to use negative terms so he called it infinity or heaven or hmm. basically there's a million words that what he actually named it sure could yeah could be could have been um so do you want to go through them one by one uh yeah i mean we can do a quick overview uh some of it doesn't pertain to what we're doing nowadays as uh civilized uh americans you mean you should not stab people in the face repeatedly to win the fight yes (sighs) bummer but i like reading about it one because i'm tie tie the samurai uh, <laughs> I hope that one sticks. I really do. Oh no, yes. it's already on social media. We haven't even finished. I haven't even edited this. It's you guys won't hear this yeah. for like five more days. But um, oh, what the fudge was I saying? Good job. Uh, tie tie the samurai. Uh, oh, be yeah. So I had to work backwards in my own brain. He, um. Nope, lost it. Okay, that's fine. I'll just start going. So the Book of the Earth... (laughs) I'm so sick. The Book of Earth is basically the introduction to the whole thing. He talks a little bit about his own background and goes over guiding principles like the proper usage of weapons. Uh, Don't take a halberd to a spear fight, apparently. Yeah. I had to look up what a halberd was. Oh, really? For those who don't know, it's a spear with the little axe on the end. It's a spear with a little axe on the end. Come on, Hannah. Is that not accurate? Uh, if you want to sound like a total white chick, yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't have one sitting around in my house. 
Um, but Miyamoto calls his style of martial strategy the two heaven one style because it embraces both philosophical and psychological teaching as well as actual sword techniques. Um, it has since been called the Musashi style because sure. it's his or the two sword style. Yeah. Number two, the book of water uh, dives into strategy, posture, how to hold a sword, footwork, striking methods. So that stuff that you were saying isn't really super relevant. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one line that stood out to me in that section of the book was, uh, he said, quote, it is crucial that you should be totally determined to gain victory with a single strike. Yeah. So a lot of his philosophy is based on the principle that all attacks must have the intention of killing the opponent. Yeah. See, I, I've got so much I want to say, but I also, I'm not sure where I should interrupt. So I'm going to let you get through the whole book. And then I'm going to go back and talk about all the points that I want to make. Thank you so much for interrupting me to say that you're going to interrupt later and not now. Hey, real quick. Just want to let you know, this is going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in this section, in the um, like notes after it, the biographer uh, hypothesized that Miyamoto would not have much use for modern day uh, martial arts like karate and stuff where you just like tap your opponent sure because that's like, like not the point, the point? Yeah. yeah he's like you're supposed to like decimate him yeah right now yeah um the third book is the book of fire and this looks at fighting methods and some specific situations he like gives you like paragraph a, by paragraph yeah. like what you could be up against um so stuff in this was like consideration of your environment that's where you should try to keep the sun behind you when you're fighting yeah uh trying to push your opponent into an area with lots of obstacles mm -hmm. uh he also talks about recognizing collapse so when your opponent is losing steam uh that's when you're supposed to strike strike don't yeah, let him get he his says specifically like yo do not let them back up because if they go down or if they start to go down and you let up you are giving them a chance to get back up and then they will be bolstered. Their spirit will be bolstered by the fact that they got up and then their spirit will be stronger than yours and then you'll they'll win. You'll lose. Guaranteed. Yep. If you let them come back up, you will lose. Show no mercy, man. It's it's yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that was a useful <laughs> interruption. <laughs> and then one other thing in this chapter that he talked about that I thought was actually possibly useful for modern life is the concept of catching. So he says in the same way that like yawning or showing sleepiness is contagious, your attitude and mood can be contagious to the person you're fighting. Hmm. Um, so he suggests that if you're in a fight, it might be beneficial to pretend you are calm, nonchalant and unworried. The hope then is that your opponent will think he doesn't have to work as hard. He'll yeah. start acting the same yeah. and then strike. And it was really funny because I was reading another book at the same time uh -huh. as, as this, um, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. And he was talking about the concept of catching and um, used an example of a football team that was going up against a better team. So right before the game, they like were acting like they were totally not worried. They were going out having fun, not paying any attention. So the other team came Would onto the field yeah. and they weren't trying hard enough and then yeah. the other team came back and kicked their butts just by element of surprise they were yeah. like haha we actually were thinking about this fight <laughs> we're actually you. very stressed out <laughs> <laughs> we were just pretending not to be so i'm gonna use this in my life yeah um and then the fourth book is the last like big one where he actually talks about um like a lot of other styles of yeah. martial arts um, and one of his biggest criticisms of other styles is other people's focus on the length of swords. That and well, that and, and just like, a sword just in a, general. Just in general, being um, like uh, having a specific thing that you rely on. Mm -hmm. You know, he goes into like why is why is the long sword, and I don't mean long sword like the too long that uh, a sword that's too long. Like the long sword is what he calls just your generic katana. Um, and he's like, this is why this is good, because it's this length and you're going to be able to do all this stuff with it. So this is the right size. But you should be good at everything because you should not rely on just your longsword. Being a strategist is about knowing how to use your tools. This is just the best tool there is. Mm -hmm. Right. And then and then he gets angry, not angry. He comes down on people for. Being like, oh, well, I'm a superior fighter because I have a longer sword. I'm a superior fighter because I have a shorter sword or a halberd or a spear or whatever. And he's like, no, you're not. You're, In fact, you're hindering yourself because you, you're only good at that. You don't understand how to navigate yourself through the, a fight no matter what. Mm -hmm. 
And he walked the walk because he won a lot of his most famous fights with wooden A piece sticks. of wood. <laughs> and or that he turned into a sword, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that's what the Book of Wind focuses on. And then finally, the Book of Ku, which translates to a lot of things, void or infinity or heaven, um, is the final book. It's super short. Um, yeah. It's like a page and a half. Yeah. And this one, it was kind of like very like, I don't know. Philosophical. Me- philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. He ends um this is the the final paragraph he says quote in the world of ku there is no evil only good prevails knowledge and skill in the human world have limitations as does the principle of martial strategy however mind and spirit belong to ku which is boundless so like very positive and uplifting where was that oh that's in mine that's the last paragraph yeah what does yours end with my mine's like uh, the last paragraph is 12th day of the fifth moon, second year of show. That's the date. <laughs> I know. But uh, but I've got um, in the void is virtue and no evil. Wisdom is has existence. Principle has existence. The way has existence. Spirit is nothingness. Our M- translations are very Mine different. is like the original. <laughs> Mine is straight up. This is what he wrote, translated how he wrote it. Oh, I'm so glad mine isn't like that. Otherwise, I wouldn't have understood anything. Yeah, so real, <laughs> real quick. So mine is The Book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. Yours is different. The Book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi, translated and commentary by Heidi Ochai. Yeah, so hers is much thicker than mine. Mine is like, mine is something they would give out at Comic-Con <laughs> to get you interested in the comic book right hers is like an actual book mine literally has like the translation of each chapter and then an analysis afterwards an i analysis. can't say words an analysis, an analysis afterwards yeah. um <laughs> and like a biography at the beginning. and yeah it's it's not long and that actually that last one there are, there's so much to take from the book of the void for me at least um and I, I looked at the... Are you, real quick, are you done talking about the book now? Can, I, can I talk about the book? Interrupt now? freely. Okay. Real quick, just got to get some tea. Just got to <laughs> get some ASMR tea. Oh, my God. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that was so good. <clears throat> anyway. We just lost five listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone was about to order a tie tie the Samurai shirt, but nah, not anymore. Um, so the 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 whole book it's so interesting because what the theme that runs through it is mindfulness and this is what i was talking about earlier everything that he brings as an art form and a fighting style is about being mindful and here's something we didn't touch on he invented and perfected the art of fighting with two swords at once right not a small sword and a big sword two long swords two katanas in your hands um that was that was never ever like a thing until he was like yeah you know what one sword's not good enough let me do it with two and he talks about how to do that in this book he talks about the process of follow through and you don't swing wildly you have both of them cut like they're one but at a distance or whatever and and you have to be mindful of it. He talks about the difference between sight and perception. He talks about the difference between your spirit and your mind. He he talks about what things are and, and how things work. And he does this through the process of understanding it the way he did through sword fighting. He was taught how to fight. And then he used, um, in my opinion, he used... The time he spent with his uncle as a as a Buddhist monk um, to kind of rectify fighting into a philosophy. And that's and that's what this comes down to his strategy. He says it throughout to become a strategist, to be a strategist. Um, and and that is his ultimate art form. I think that strategy and mindfulness kind of go hand in hand because you're thinking about a situation. You're thinking about your opponent and yourself. And um, the 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 quote that he's constantly being quoted as saying is um, think lightly of yourself and think deeply of the world, which I oh, man, 
I almost went out and got that tattooed on me like immediately. I love that so much because that's to me the, the biggest sin that people commit is that they are too prideful. In fact, in, in my theology, there's only one sin and it's it's pride. You think way too much of yourself. If you're if you're greed, if you're greedy, then it's because you think you deserve more. If you're lustful, it's because you think you should have more sex or whatever it is. Like it's it's always about you. And so for him to sit there and go, it's not about you. It's about the rest of the world and think on that. And then you start and then everything else falls in place. All of his instructions, all the fighting styles, it all falls in place having the sun to your back when you fight is because then the person can't look at you directly. They have the sun in their eyes. So you're just looking at the world and going, where should I stand in this world with the sun to my back? Because that's gives me, that gives me the advantage. Um, he breaks down the five attitudes of where you bring your sword. Um, you have the middle, the high, the low, the left side and the right side. And he breaks down how you start every single fight in those quadrants or five quids, quadrants, quadrants. And it's it's about knowing. Okay, if I put if I put the tip of my sword in the middle out attitude, it's going to be right in his face. That's going to cause him to do this type of attack, which means you can do this type of counterattack and cut his hands right off. Like it's just about understanding how people react to things and i think there's there's a story and 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 i'm really sorry if you are a miyamoto like um scholar and and i'm getting this completely wrong i'm very sorry but even if this wasn't him this is something that i'm sure he heard of and probably very much validated but there's a story that i think is him where he um he agreed to a fight and then they're like all right at dawn, you know, tomorrow we're going to fight. And everyone's like, oh, snap. These two are fighting. Miyamoto's fighting. This is going to be great. So then the dude shows up, but Miyamoto's not there. But by the dude's honor, he stays there and he waits for Miyamoto and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's waiting. All day this dude waits. Miyamoto has been on the other side of the trees, just hanging out in a tree, just watching him all day. Just sitting there, eating, doing nothing, waiting. The dude's losing his poop. Yep. <laughs> and um, and he can't stand it anymore. Finally, when Miyamoto sees him at his angriest, he gets down out of the tree, walks over. He's like, hey, you ready to duel? And the dude flips his poop. <laughs> and he go. And so they start the duel because, you know, they made this this arrangement and the dude's so angry and he's like so like ravaging and, and everything. He can't think. He can't strategize. And Miyamoto kills him in like two strikes. And 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 that's it. That's the end of it. And and so I just I love this book so much as a as a modern day reader because it helps you start to understand the mindset of being mindful. He you were saying it earlier that he um he talks about how when you get into a fight you cut to kill mm -hmm. um and he he says that over and over and over again all the time because i think there is this this tendency in the edo period where you're just there to prove yourself if you can if you can fight someone and win without killing them there's no need to kill them as long as you've proven yourself but in his mind, it's like, no, look, <laughs> real strategy comes from true intention. If your intention is to cut someone, your intention should be to kill someone. If it's their fault, if they get in the way of your sword. Right. And so it is it's about being mindful of that situation. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to follow through and it's going to get done to the best of my ability. And that is 100 percent one hundred percent what i learned in 2019 nice and, and it's why i wanted to do this book for the new year well and i think you know people might look at this book on the surface and they'll be like what's the point of reading a book about how to how to fight people to the death yeah. as a samurai yeah but i think if you look at it that way like 
when you start a task, your intention should be to finish it to the best of your abilities. If you're going up against someone in a nonviolent setting, yeah. please don't go out and kill people with swords or wooden oars. Right. But if you're going up against someone, you have to be prepared to totally win. Yeah. That's his whole philosophy. And that's what has made this like a really impactful and enduring work. Yeah. Um, are you done with that? analysis can I've, i say why it became so popular absolutely yeah. i've got more i could definitely go <laughs> off of i'll probably have one more little sermon to do but yeah sermons with chai chai the bible guy <laughs> um so the first english translation at least in my research was in 1974 and the book became seriously studied by tons of executives in the west as a way to better understand japanese management techniques yeah so i'm just picturing all these dudes in suits like reading this book <laughs> trying yeah. to figure out like how to do business deals and stuff and i mean you could learn a lot from that it seems really harsh to me because you know like completely decimating your opponent in a business meeting seems really mean (laughs) um but you know that's why it has been relevant for so long yeah um and yeah um i think i mentioned it before he wrote it toward the end of his life um it was kind of his his final work um yeah and it's become a classic yeah uh and and i think it it's it's more than just this book and his sword fighting we touched on it calligraphy art all these things it all goes into he put all of himself into whatever he was doing he stopped being a fighter at one point and he just focused on painting and he did some sculpture sculpture as well and i think that's the lesson that people learn from him whether it's it's nowadays or or back when people were just trying to learn how to do business with Japanese is like is learning how to be present and meditate and I, I'm genuinely interested in and in what he has to teach because there is a lot of the Zen Buddhism that goes behind it and I've always been interested in Buddhism um, because of their intention with what they do with meditation especially zen meditation um and i think it's something that as a christian we see like i grew up in a church where like you just go and you just worship and then you just listen to a pastor talk and then you do a potluck every like once a month and then you know you just you do what you have to do because it's just kind of the the norm to do that you never sit down and really work through things. And if you question anything, then you're like, you're just, you're out. You're not allowed to question anything. And I like this because it's more intentional. And I think it's something that people should be not just Christians, but people. That's a vacuum cleaner. There is a vacuum cleaner. Is that above us? I think there's a second story in here. Yeah. Um, but the, just the, being intentional with with the life that you're living and and so that's i'm i'm inspired by his sword fighting i'm really inspired by the calligraphy and um the middle way which is something that i saw throughout this and and it comes from buddhism is the middle way it's no extreme anger and love and um annihilation and perfection and and all these things and again i'm not a buddhist and i'm not going to say that I don't know anything about Buddhism. I'm interested in it. I, I love to conversate with it. And I think there's even parts of Christianity that lend itself to Buddhism where you see Jesus when people say, you know, they're he's sitting around teaching and they're like, you know, your mom and dad are here, Jesus or your mom and your brothers and your sisters are they're all here, Jesus. And he's like, Who's my brothers? Who are my sisters? Who's my mother? You guys are my family. These people that are here around me. And and then later on in scripture, I think uh, I don't remember who it is. I think it's Paul. He says, um, you know, it is better if you don't get married, because then you can give yourself to God completely. But if you're gonna get married, you should do it the right way. Like there's there's this there's this sense in Christianity that we as Americans specifically, and I think just as a culture nowadays, we don't jump into, and it's what a lot of Buddhism can help with. And, and I think that I, I resonated with so much of that reading the book of the five rings, because you see Miyamoto living that where he's like, I'm going to do everything perfect 
but I'm not going to do it because it's this extreme or that extreme. I'm going to do it because it's the smart and mindful way of doing it. Nice. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway from the book of five rings, uh, it was something that actually kind of annoyed me at first. And then I started to see the value in it (laughs) after almost every single lesson. And there's so many of them. He says, I know study hard, (laughs) learn this well, work hard. And I was like, God dang, man, why do you have to say it so often? (laughs) But I mean, that's really his thing. He's like, you need to do everything to the best of your ability. He's encouraging the reader to study hard, to work hard, to become the best at things. And at one point he writes, and this is the translation, so I have no yeah. idea what it says yeah. in your book. But he said, quote, you must try to improve yourself every day. Be better today than you were yesterday. And tomorrow you will defeat someone less able than you. After that, you should be able to, to defeat someone superior to you. So in my own life, I'm only trying to defeat the previous me's. Yeah. But I thought that was really valuable. I'm like, try to be better every single day. Yeah. Study hard, work hard, throw yourself into whatever it is that you want to be the best at. Yeah, man. That's great. And and I think it is at first you're like, why do you keep telling me to go <laughs> study this? Like, just tell me. Did you get the sense that this was like, I don't know, I, I, I deal in a lot of the, the Instagram, YouTube, TikTok stuff now where I'm I'm looking at people who are trying to become rich by telling other people Ugh. how to become rich. You know what I mean? Uh, the Paul Logan did it for or Paul. Yeah, Paul. No, Logan, Paul, Jake, Paul. That's who it is. Jake, Paul. A lot did of it. first names. He here. had. I know. Jake, <laughs> Paul had a whole channel about how to become as successful as Jake, Paul. Is he successful? Yeah, he's pretty successful. Oh. He's also a douchebag. I mean, he's also Whoa. a nutcracker. Nutcracker. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but he uh, not that like. There's this constant, constant thing that we see nowadays where people are like, I'm going to tell you how to get rich or I'm going to tell you how to be successful. These are the t- the tips and tricks on how to get successful. What you need to do is make sure that you find someone to tell you how to get successful. And then once you've gotten that person to tell you how to get successful, you'll end up like me, someone who's successful. Like it's this stupid circular <laughs> BS I pointed at you, but then I did it myself. Uh, yeah, and I, I really almost sure. when I started reading this, I felt like that was what was happening mm. because of the way he introduces everything. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to be the best swordsman you can be because there's all these other swordsmen, but I'm the best swordsman. And if you find a swordsman like me and study like I did and practice like I did, you'll be as good as me because let me tell you, I'm the best swordsman. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I mean, in all honesty, I would probably not be friends with Miyamoto if he were around today. He does seem a little Super insufferable. In- and intense, man. Way too intense. Yeah. I, I would make a joke like within the first five minutes of being around him and he would like kill me with his sword and be fine. <laughs> but, yeah. but no, I I did get a little bit of that vibe, but also I think like he has way more intentionality behind oh, yeah. it and he can once back it get up in, a lot more. Once you get into the book of fire and, and the book of water, that's when you start to see, not the book, yeah, the book of water and fire, you start to see that he's being for real. Yeah. And almost to a point where I'm like, I need to skip some of these techniques because I don't care about how to properly feign death. But then when they get close, I strike them like I don't I don't really care. But yeah, you're never going to be a real samurai. (sighs) You're right. I got to read again and I got to study harder, study harder, work harder, study hard, study this. You must learn this. (laughs) Learn this well. You know what else? What we need to study what our listeners need to study our resolutions no (laughs) how to help our show grow oh that's me trying to end the show oh nice okay how can they help our show grow tyler well number one listen to our show and if you're listening to our show you're probably already listening to our show so you're talking like miyamoto (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening to our show now go tell someone about it yo someone just tell two people about it That'll literally double your portion of the audience. Yeah, that's a big deal. Or you can pay it forward style and be like Haley Joel Osman and tell three people about it. But he died at the end of that movie. Uh. So just be careful if you tell a third person, you will die. (laughs) Who's on a playground with a knife or whatever that situation was. Um, Anyway, tell people about it. 
You can subscribe on iTunes or whatever pod catcher you're on, Podbean or Podcast Addict. That's what I'm on. We're on all of them. Yeah. Stitcher, um, um, Spotify. We're on Spotify. That's oh. cool. Yeah. Um, leave a review for us if you would like so that um, other people, if you leave a review, it helps us out a lot because then people look at our show and go, wow, other people actually like this show enough to leave a review. All of this, by the way, maybe five minutes worth of work. Yes. You know how much work we're going to put into this episode that you're listening to? So much work. Guys, not only have we been recording for over an hour, good Lord, (laughs) uh, but we've had to research. We've had to do some talking and figure things out. I'm going to have to edit this. It's going to take some time. So five minutes. Five minutes. That's all we ask. Five. Five fundo. Five minutes. (laughs) I was trying to think of another F, but it was about to be a bad word. So... (laughs) (laughs) He's never going to make it. I'm making it right now. I only said one bad word today, and it wasn't even really a bad word. So if you want to find us, you can visit us on our website, lewisandlovecraft.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, at lewisandlovecraft. Uh, Yeah. And And, and we weren't joking. Our email address is lewisandlovecraft at at gmail.com. You guys can send us uh, stories that you've written. We we really want to try and support writers. Um, At least I do. I don't know about Hannah. Nah, screw writers. (laughs) She says the writer who finished her (laughs) book. Um, But yeah, if if you want to send a uh, 500 to 1,000 word flash fiction, we will read it on our show. that being said, I do want to apologize because we did have someone send one in and I did start to read it on our show last episode. We're totally reading it at some point because I finished reading it and it was amazing. It was it, so good. But it, it just was got so sexual so fast. So fast. I and felt, the eight-year-old was still in the room. And the eight-year-old, <laughs> I had just said a bad word. I'm not going to start saying some sexual <laughs> stuff right, right there. The mom's like staring me down as I'm reading this. And uh, no, I wasn't going to do it. So I do apologize that we haven't read your work yet. I hope you haven't given up on us. We will read your work on our show, maybe in the studio. In the studio. <laughs> yep. So our, our eight-year-old listeners can hear it through the headphones <laughs> quietly by themselves, but not in the store where we not do this. Not in the store. Uh, and then I think the last thing we have to do is thank our wonderful... Dude. Our wonderful theme song creator. Yes. Jake Basson. Jake Basson. Your rock star. Uh, you can visit his work at Cla- Sound. Oh, please take this. I'm so bad. Soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson. B A S S E N. Yes. Woo. All right, guys. Tyler's going to go eat some soup now. May- oh, one last thing. One last thing because uh, I- last episode, or maybe the one before that, I said, see you later, ghoul gang, oh because I'm God. trying really hard to come up with a name for everybody. Right, for our fan base, for our listeners, because I think that's fun. Everybody has made fun of me for it. I've gotten made fun of (laughs) so much. So, look, I'm not going to call you guys Ghoul Gang, I guess. Email me. (laughs) Facebook me. I need to know what to call you guys. If you give us a good enough name that we're going to start calling it, we will give you credit. You will be blasted on our show. Or you don't have to. It can be anonymous. But I need something to call you people who listen to our show help them out guys please i'll keep calling you tie tie the samurai needs needs stop trying to make fetch happen it's not going to happen (laughs) all right everybody thanks for listening to the first episode of the decade we out (laughs) 